0: Coming up on episode 57 of the up Full Life
1: podcast. My first real bass teacher is this guy who lives in the South Bay. His name is Myron Dove. He played with Santana and Rock and all his He's great, great uh, bass player. And so uh, for 20 bucks, I'd go to his house after work, go into his little studio. Before we get started, he'd play some blazing Return to Forever Stanley Clark and you know, Silly Putty and all this stuff. And I would always feel dejected, like, hey, man, I can't play, you know. But I, I just kept showing up, you know, and he, he showed me whatever he could, you know. And after about the fourth lesson, I'm walking up there at 3.30 in the afternoon, you know, and I'm with $20 in my hand, and he's coming out of the house, and I'm walking into the house. And I'm like, hey, man, he looks at his watch, and I said, hey, man, I thought there was a lesson. And he said, he goes, oh, man, he goes, oh, that's right. He goes, okay, put your bass in the house. We're going to go to the movies. I'm like, the movies? He goes, he goes, yeah, Batman, the new Batman. So whenever the new Batman was out, that's when I started playing bass. He goes, put the, he goes, put the bass in the house, and uh, we're going to the movies. I'm like, going to the movies, man. I thought we had a lesson. He goes, this is the lesson, man. It's called The Hang. I never forgot that because almost all of the gigs, the Carl Denson gig, came from a Hang down at the bar I was bartending at in San Jose. Greg gig came from that, you know. the Warren Haynes gig, the Samantha gig, you know. Like I was with Terrence the night before, you know. That phone call came. He was, you know. He says he would have said me anyway, but I'm just like, oh, it's it's good to hang. Yeah. You know. But the older you get, I'm I'm not hanging out in front of New Blue at three o'clock in the morning anymore. I don't want to do that. But yeah, there's everything comes from the hang. <laughs>
0: Yes, indeedy. Welcome to the Upful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz. And this is episode number 57. Coming at you live and direct from the Vibe Junkie Studios in Oakland, California. Like the God Rakim said, times is hard on the boulevard. But we're just trying to keep that funk alive for y'all. So grateful you are tuning in.
2: I'll keep that funk alive, Bobble.
0: Before we get started and without a bed of music, I just wanted to take a moment as uh, we're recording this in the aftermath of the terrible, abhorrent, unthinkable, tragic, yet somehow normalized school shooting in texas and it's very difficult to you know put your mind and energy focus into creative or artistic or even journalistic endeavors uh in the tailwind of such horror Uh, i'm struggling with that myself Um, my heart aches i don't know where to put the energy so i'm going to put it back into the work back into the pod back into my communities We all know whatever is going on, it's not working. It's getting exponentially worse. And one way or another, this darkness got to give.
2: come rolling in talking about the club and hanging with your friends. Make a fool of yourself if you want to but don't make a fool out of me.
0: Yes, indeedy. And we're back. Episode 57 the Up for Life podcast and wow, what a roller coaster of a month it's been since I last talked to y'all. Uh, Where do I start? After I went to LA for a writer's conference uh, I came down to the Jazz Fest in New Orleans for my 18th year And it was an absolute joy to be back Three years, no Jazz Fest due to the pandemic uh, Including 2020 and 2021 And the postponed October 2021 that didn't go off So it was long awaited and pure deliverance for so many. It's such a spiritual, musical mecca and pilgrimage. So grateful to be able to do that for so many years. But of course, this year, my personal story, uh, I got the bug about halfway through my time down there. So I did get four days and nights from Monday night through Saturday afternoon, but I started to stumble by Friday And even though I was testing negative, I knew something was up. It was only a matter of time. After I got back from Badu at the fairgrounds, I tested positive and ended up isolating in a hotel for four days uh, and nights. Thankfully, bless, my mom did not catch the bug, even though we were in the same hotel suite for two nights before we figured it out. grateful she was able to uh, be cautious enough to avoid uh, catching it. Uh, I had a blessedly mild experience, more psychological and emotional than anything else. Um, I want to say thank you to, of course, everybody that uh, sent me messages and notes and Of course, the people in New Orleans that came by the hotel with meds and food and vibes and conversations on the curb from a safe distance, all that, I mean, it really warms my heart. I felt really loved and supported, even though I was going through it. Um, But like I said, the physical side of my experience with COVID was mild. And for whatever reason, um, I'm so grateful for that. I'm back in Oakland. I'm feeling fine. I'm testing negative trying to turn the page but if you're curious about my brief but wonderful return to the new Orleans jazz fest you can check it out blissful blast back to jazz fest 2022 is the name of the article it's on live for live music you can also find it like everything else on upfullife.com i want a special shout out large up my man randy bears from funkit blog who is my trusted attorney and a dear homie He stepped up, as he always does, with the video, with the audio, with the brotherhood. Just totally came through down there. And, of course, was able to provide coverage and video. uh, Certain things I was unable to attend due to illness. So, really wanted to shout him out. And shout out the whole city of New Orleans for, you know, rolling out the red carpet like they always do. Um, You can check out my musical, uh, escapades on Live for Live Music, shout out Kunj, Sarah, Gideon, Andrew O'Brien, the Notorious AOB, the whole team at Live for Live Music really went big, but so did the city, of course, they're the hosts, and with the most, and they did it up, just like my man Derek Freeman and Smoker's World, you're here in Hotel, the brand new single from episode 007, Derek Smoker, on the up for life podcast this is his new john it's called hotel from his new album that's fixing to drop it's called white and uh yeah we'll have to catch up with him to hear more about that but i wanted to play some authentic new Orleans music as i shouted out the city give thanks it was great to be back at jazz fest i was a little bit down and out when i got the COVID, and i you know but the bottom line was it was it was a wonderful resurgence, a triumphant return, because it was a bit curtailed by COVID. People went down. George Porter Jr., Papa Molly, lots of fans, venue staff. It's a whole lot. And COVID was definitely not over down there, and you know I hope everybody who did get sick is bouncing back, and hopefully we can get through this in the not too distant future. Yeah, that's all what I got to say about that. You can rate and review the Upful Life podcast on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. really goes a long way with the algorithms sending me new listeners. And, you know, shout out everybody who has left reviews. You can hit me up on the email, direct, b.gets at upfullife.com. Love to hear from you. And stop through upfullife.com for all things B. gets. Now let's get into episode 57. Yes, indeedy. Thank you. Yes, indeedy. And we're back, episode 57 of the Upful Life podcast. And man, I am so thrilled to bring to you this conversation with Ron Johnson on the bass. Ron Johnson on the bass. Ron is literally the first cat that ever pulled back the curtain for me. He was my first musician friend in the game, in the industry. Back we're talking 2000, 2001, Carl Denson's Tiny Universe. But before we get to that, here's a little bit of a bio background on my man, Ron J. Uh, New Orleans-based bass player, Ron Johnson's career actually began in California while working towards a bachelor's degree in improvised music studies specialized on jazz at San Jose State university ron was asked and rec- to record and to tour with blues guitarist chris kane and that's where ron's real education came from six years of smoky bars and festivals memphis to frankfurt bangkok to little rock with chris kane and then many many hours in a van filled with music of ray charles aretha franklin billy preston johnny guitar watson and the three kings albert Freddie, and bb And then he also toured with uh, Joe Louis Walker, with Maria Muldar. And of course, then I got hip to, to Ron when he was drafted for the Tiny Universe, where he was a band member for like six years or so. In my opinion, the best, most glorious era of the Tiny Universe. Ron was a major cog in that wheel and a... I could express a whole lot of that. I probably will. You know, fuck it. Like, times are crazy now. I'm going to tell some stories. But uh, for those uh, who are maybe less initiated, after his stint with uh, Carl D, he went with Brett Denon for a time, Anders Osborne for a time, uh, Greg Allman for a, a long time, Greg's solo endeavors and tours at the end of his life and really the 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 golden era sort of riding out into the sunset ron was greg's close friend and partner um and just homie and we get into that of course but uh now ron is working with and touring with samantha fish who is like incredible guitarist singer songwriter back in the blues realm where Ron kind of began, as I noted, with Chris Kane. And he's killing it. They're killing it. She's killing it. I mean, I'm going to play some of that music throughout the interview, along with a few of his stops along the way, even a sweet uh, collab with Anders and Samantha Fish that Ron was on bass for. But for me, it comes back to a really special time in my life when it revolved around kind of the tiny universe in a lot of ways, whether fish was touring or on hiatus or whatever from 2000 to 2005, you know, beginning with my first jazz fest in new Orleans and then, you know, starting to do the jam based stuff, writing articles, going to shows in New York city, traveling out to Colorado and California. And it was huge part of that journey, uh, Soundtracked and captained by Carl Denson's Tiny Universe. It was just in the wake of my like love for D'Angelo and like Black Soul and Funk and R&B, here was a band embodying that, kind of existing in the jam band scene, but really performing this black, sexy, vintage music uh, really spoke to me in a profound way and still does. And you know, I still love the Tiny Universe, but the way I loved and the way they played in those days was just a different thing and that was how i got hip to run and he was just the first dude that was cool to me that was like hey man what's up i see you at all the shows what's good and then you know i told him i you know i'm huge fan also trying to be the writer and he was like cool man got you and we became homies and and we're tight he introduced me to chris littlefield who's been on this podcast and is another dear friend for like 20 years And Brian Jordan, who was like my guy in the glory days of the tiny universe. Um, And eventually Carl himself. I mean, the whole network of connecting in the tiny universe. Like Ron was responsible for inviting me to The Hang. And so much blossomed for me out of those experiences, both with my writing, with Jam Bass, with Jazz Fest, Carl being the king of the late night if you know you know and then the community there were people women specifically that i was friendly with that taught me the ropes about going to shows about dancing on the dance floor about just how to roll you know brandy nina wheezy jen richie like people i still see in varying degrees at shows in different places and like we all came together on the Diesel's dance floor, and Ron Johnson was on the bass. Ron Johnson on the bass. That's how Carl would always introduce him, usually in this a, a sort of a melodic fashion, because Ron was the anchor to this just incredibly funky, sexy, earthy, vintage, black music that called to me in a profound spiritual way and uh, we're listening to uh, keep your head up from high sierra late night 2003 my first high sierra neck deep in my passion and stannery for all things tiny universe and alfred howard kicked that rhyme you heard earlier he's been on the pod and of course you know Kraz came through Fareed hawk it was an amazing night Hold on. Let's get the let's get the introduction.
3: On the
0: That's what I'm talking about. Ron Johnson on the bass. So, long story short after he left the band, you know, we kind of fell out of touch. We weren't nearly as tight. I'd see him around. If I saw a show that he was in at fest or whatever, I'd write him into a story, but gone were the days. And then pandemic, life, whatever, he reached out. He's like, I'm going to be in your hood. He came through the crib. We sat on the back deck and reminisced. It was so beautiful. He rolled up in a fly ride, looking like a million bucks, physically fit. This is a beautiful man with a whole lot of stees. And he rolled up to my crib, we sat down at back, and we had a conversation. And that's what you're about to hear. Episode 57, The for Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz. Here comes Ron Johnson on the bass. Ron Johnson on the bass. Yes, indeedy.
3: Ron Johnson on the base Ron Johnson on the base
0: Alright It's a beautiful day here in Gorgeous. Oakland Gorgeous. Uh, to my incredible surprise I heard from an old friend not long ago Mr. Ron Johnson on the base who was going to be in my proverbial neighborhood and you know Ron and I have been trying to do this for some time so uh, what a fortuitous phone call and Opportunity to speak with you. So welcome to the Up Full Life podcast, Ron Johnson. It's great Johnson. to be
1: here. It's great to be here in my spirit home. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. This is beautiful.
0: How long are you spending in California at this time?
1: I am here because uh, it's the only opportunity I had to come out or I would stay longer, but I'm here until uh, next Thursday. So I think the whole trip was like seven days of half in Northern Cal and second half in southern cal cool cool right on well it's so great
0: to see you and like when you got out of the car and parked in front it was like this looking at the (laughs) same guy from 20 years ago and
1: And me looking at you man you haven't changed a bit
0: yeah i'm happy to hear you see it like that man. yeah your
1: energy's still the same too it's cool right on man
0: i appreciate you saying that and i sure as hell appreciate you making time in this short trip to come here to oakland and have a chat Yeah, Like I said, we've been trying to do it for a minute, and and I talked to Littlefield on this podcast Mm -hmm. a while ago, and I said that he was the second guy ever to open the door for me, to basically invite me beyond the Uh fan-artist sort of continuum, you know, like, you were the the very first person that... from the stage, it said, "Yeah, dude, come hang out, or let oh, me wow. put you on the list so you can write your story." Uh-huh. You were the very first. So wow. anything that's happened for me, and I'm so grateful to have. Oh, that's in cool. Music media. You were you were the guy who pulled the curtain back first. So Man. thank you.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm sure I was just paying it forward for so many good things that have happened to me over the years.
0: Yeah, and you know I was a impressionable young. You know, really eager (laughs) Wanted to be down Found, you know, this music that really spoke to me And chased it with everything I had And then wrote about it And that just kind of was like the battery in my back to do it So it's kind of some full circle shit today Because now I live out here in Oakland It's like a new dawn, new day We're 20 years on from that Mm -hmm. And uh, just to get with you And to talk about music and life And the privacy of my backyard is amazing
1: Yeah it's it's nice. It's so nice to see you because I, I you know those, those memories come back and I remember you as that kid, skinny kid in the crowd, and you would pop out. You could notice you amongst you know however many hundreds or a thousand people, you would you would stand out. It's like we always knew you were there, and it was nice. You know it was always it's always a great hang. That's why you get the invite. I don't even think I do that anymore to be honest. I was I'm like surprised. I'm like I did, yeah. I did that, but no, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you made the cut.
0: Uh, me too. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it was it was like a different time, you know, like the, yeah. it wasn't social media, obviously, and the internet was nascent, and we were just kind of like figuring uh, out.
1: The good old days.
0: Yeah, figuring it out as we went. And, you know, I look back on those times really fondly, but uh, I also think about New Orleans, because the other part of my story is like going to Jazz Fest and deciding yeah. that I wanted to like chronicle that. Yeah. And like. You moved to New Orleans. I know yeah. you're originally a Brooklyn guy, right?
1: I'm originally a California guy. Okay. Yeah, I lived here for 20 years.
0: Before I moved I to
1: I moved to New York in 2000, from here.
0: Okay. See, I did not know. I've known you yeah. for 20 years. I did not know that. Uh, I knew you as a Brooklyn guy because I met you around yes. 1. So to me, you're a Brooklyn guy. So we got to talk about all that. Yeah. But let's go to New Orleans first. Okay. Um, how long have you been living in the city of New Orleans? And like, uh, what is... Like, your vibe down there musically. What is your day-to-day playing with, hanging with?
1: Well, uh, it's funny, man. It's like a, I gauged the, the time that I've been in New Orleans. I gauged that against uh, um, uh, on the age of Ivan Neville's son, Isaiah. <laughs> because the day I moved there at night, and uh, Ian helped me move into this apartment I had. And the next day, Ivan came and picked me up, gave me a tour of the city but in the back seat with his uh i think eight eight week old son isaiah we're taking him to get shots (laughs) and so he's giving me a tour and at the same time going to get some shots for isaiah and now whenever i see this kid i i just i'm like wow man i moved here when you were eight weeks old you know might have been 18 weeks i don't know but (laughs) just a little guy so i think that was eight years ago if isaiah is eight then it's been eight years in july in July it'll be eight years, and it went—it's going by so fast.
0: Yeah, you just know, just zipping by. Feels like maybe you just moved there, but you've been there almost a decade.
1: Yeah, I was gone a lot. Right. You know, I first moved there, and I was playing with with Greg Allman. So I was gone like every two weeks, I'd be gone. And then when that ended, then I was home for two or three years—long, hot summers. I bet. Brutal, brutal, and you know the gig life, just hustling gigs and doing stuff. I I used to sort of, I used to think, oh man, it'd be cool because I, I didn't come up in it. I started playing really late, so I didn't have a, a top 40 band or anything. So I don't know a lot of, or I didn't at the time at least, didn't know a lot of top 40 tunes and stuff. So I'd be going out playing with these top 40 type bands and uh, and they know every song in the book. And, you know, I took a few beatings but <laughs> it Probably was uh, yeah man and you know and, and, and later in your career facing that down it was, it was very humbling but it was also a great opportunity to you know experience that and learn it late so i'd be on these gigs and i'd be all excited about some tune like uh you know uh rock with you or something I'm like this is the greatest tune and these guys have played it a million times <laughs> Look at him like why is he so excited about brick house and i'm like man i never i never played this and, so yeah, it was it was great, but it's it's pretty grueling and exhausting because down there you get to play like three, four-hour gigs, long gigs, Sure. and uh, you know I was fortunate to not have to do that for. That's the humbling part when you don't do that, and then suddenly it's thrust upon you as a means of survival. Then I uh, think it's it's pretty grueling.
0: I bet, so. I bet, especially down there, you know, like music round the clock and it's round the clock and it's you know a hard way of life no matter how you live it down there you know people think it's all a party and i think it's it's for some people it is yeah but it's it seems like quite the opposite you know for the people that live down there the people that oh yeah you know you work with that i've been around the block a few times yeah you know it's 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 not just a party it's a way of life and there's there's like a certain like new orleans struggle that comes out in the music Mm -hmm. you know i I, you hear it with an Anders or an ivan or really Mm -hmm. any of the artists coming out of there it's 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 a part of the blues i think i'm i I might be talking out of turn but i Mm -hmm. i hear it in the music and and i think that speaks to the quote grind yeah just even a guy like george there's no one who's got like the the credentials like george but he's still playing three four hour gigs like yeah but george
1: is playing this awesome like Original music, and when he plays a cover, it's covering the meters and covering, you know what I mean. So, so he's, yeah. So his top forty was, you know, the good old days, the really, really, the, you know, Earl King, and he said, it's, you know, that's one of the pleasures of living in New Orleans is being able to uh, go out on a Monday night and see the architect of funk. Yeah. You know, I mean, and 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 he sounds even better now you know it's like i'm like man he's he's still like from week to week you know he's I'm like god oh, it's just amazing so he's an inspiration
0: i bet know. and you can watch him from just a few feet away at the leaf it's a different oh thing. yeah
1: and yeah and he, he, you know he always shows me the unbelievable kindness and uh, i'm i mean i wouldn't be here today really without george like some of the de- decisions he made in his career allowed me to right to have a career yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Ta- start in the here now because when we first tried to hook up you were gonna be out here with an artist Samantha fifth or did you did you guys end up doing oh that's that right one? no right. no
1: that went away so we would have
0: done that this then yeah um, but that like, kind of gave me a nudge to listen a little more listen a little further I really. she just put out the album in September faster mm-hmm. um, how did you hook up with her she's a New Orleans based musician right
1: she's out of Kansas City but she lives in New Orleans okay yeah. can't keep track. Yeah. So
0: yeah, how did you hook up with her? Because, uh, you know, I really, I was unawares until you kind of gave me the nudge and uh-huh. I really come to dig what she's up to.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's great. Uh, she, I was, I uh, okay, when was it? I was fortunate enough to pick up the Anders Osborne gig uh, four years ago or something like that. And over the, over that time, you know, we would play gigs and our paths would cross and she would always sit in with Anders. And so we knew each other and during the uh the, the 2020 the, the covid shutdown lockdown whatever you want to call it uh, they decided to do some shows but as a trio and they were going to use terrence higgins um, as a drummer so they asked terrence who he liked playing with and fortunately he he said me you know it, and we made a great little trio and toured around the country during COVID, lots of gigs in texas lots of gigs in Florida and back when people are like you know washing their cereal boxes and all that stuff you know we're out there all masked up and you know who's that guy did you hear that sneeze look at it you know just (laughs) hyper alert (laughs) but we made it through yeah we made it through that was that was actually a pretty busy year Terrence couldn't do the whole thing so Doug Belote did some some dates and this guy Carl Boudreaux did some dates so it was a year of me playing with four drummers, and in, in that year we also hooked up with the current drummer who's amazing, Sarah Tomac, so four drummers in one year. But I'm very grateful to Terrence for mentioning me because it's, you know, I love it, it's great.
0: That's awesome, man, that it came through sort of like uh, you getting to know her from the Anders thing, because before I listened to her as an artist, the only really like firm frame of reference I had was this Anders gig from Jazz Fest that she sat in. You're in the band, Terrence, also for Ohio.
1: Oh, no, that's Chad Cromwell. He's playing drums. Okay. Neil like Young's uh, drum. Really?
0: Oh, I'm well, I not mistaken. Joe Walsh. No, no Terrence, but you know the sit-in I'm talking about? Absolutely. And she plays this solo, yeah. and she doesn't come in like a whale, and she's like this Middle Eastern, super, yeah. super cool thing in the tone, and I was just jaw dropped, so.
3: Yeah. Bye. <laughs>
0: She's something else. I love her tone and just yeah. like her phrasing and I'm not a yeah. musician, but she yeah. tells a story.
1: She's a melody generator. Yeah. Everything is just so musical. Yeah. It's uh, like very, very compelling, you know, to, li- to listen to.
0: So did you guys learn like the new album stuff specifically because I, or did you have to get hip to, I guess she's got four or five records, right? So when you took the trio out, it was it just the new
1: stuff? Well, you know, there was a set, you know, but as a, as a, as a personal rule, I try to learn uh, deeper in the catalog stuff, you know, just to save myself time when the inevitable, you know, like you go way down the YouTube rabbit hole and you see all the live shows, you go, oh, she played that tune and she played that tune. So I'll learn that tune even if it's not on the set list and I'll make a little, little chart of it and keep a book. Basically, I just build a book for every artist that I, I play with, and I try to make it as thick as possible. Because, you know, once you learn the songs, then what else are you going to do? You're a musician. you got a job to do. You know what I mean? So if I learn all the science, I just the next day at work, I find something else to do, and it all applies to the artist that I'm working with. And then, you know, somebody throws a tune at you, you're not scrambling to just pull it up and learn it a lot, a lot quicker. You know? That's and, really insightful. Yeah, learn the learn. I used to play with this guy Brett Dennin and he he said something about he made it sound normal, like learning the artist catalog. I'm like, I'm not learning a damn catalog the whole thing. But as the years went by, I'm like, well, that makes sense, you know. And you you know you can tell what might pop up and what might not pop up, so it's not O C D type of situation. But um, you know, I like I like to sit on a tune for a while too just try and get the nuance and all that so you know if you're doing this on your own you're building a little book you know you have a time to sit on the tunes then when they throw it at you it feels a little more it feels real
0: yeah you're not necessarily flying by the seat of your pants yeah
1: it's scuffling and telling a different story than with the song you know
0: but you work with a lot of artists. I mean, I learned that. I already knew it, but then in trying to get ready to talk to you, I was just thinking about all the different configurations. I mean, some are longer-term things, like mm-hmm. a Warren, like a Greg Allman, like an Anders. And then some are, you know, a quick hitter with a Steve Kimmock. I remember you yeah, oh, yeah. with, like, ALO. Oh, yeah. That New was Munson, great. Soon, right? So you've been yeah. a guy that's, like, been tasked with kind of getting up to speed. And, and it's interesting to hear that you that developed into sort of this methodical, like... It came out drums. of that.
1: You know, like know, now even now I'll go on my computer and I see AlO you know or I see Anders you know so many songs didn't even scratch the surface I, I was with him for th- four years three or four years I, you know and if he he called last week I just couldn't do the gig so you know we still will work together but uh, I see all those I see all those books on my iPad on my computer I'm like oh wow a lot of things I forget I'm like I made that <laughs> you know because there's some smoke involved sometimes too so.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's better to keep a book, that way you don't forget. Exactly. You, know, you play it in the moment, but you got to write it down.
1: Yes. Yes. You
0: mentioned Greg Allman, and uh, that's something that a few people that I reached out to, it, uh, I do that with any guest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm having so-and-so on the pod. Yeah. What should I ask? Uh-huh. Uh, a couple people said Greg Allman stuff, and mm-hmm. I remember you wrote a really stirring tribute to him.
1: Oh, when you passed. In the
0: his passing. Yeah. It... it shed a lot of light of like the nature not only of your relationship but like the reverence you had for me as this like iconic like yeah. musical force of nature yeah tell me how you hooked up with greg and and how does that relationship take shape young you greg and his like final act and that connection
1: it's this another one like you can trace it all back to george you know like when george decided not to do the warren haynes band tour he's on the he's on the man in motion album right. But he decided that he, he'd, uh, he wasn't going to do the tour. And when I, when I first even heard that there was a Warren Haynes soul band, I told his manager, Jay Bow, I said, hey, man, um, if, he, uh, if he decides to tour it, give me a call. I said, if George doesn't want to do it. Not even knowing George was on the record, <laughs> I just assumed, I'm like, he's the most logical guy. So as a joke, I'm like, you know, George doesn't want to do it. And then I saw him a year later, and I said, hey, man, what's up with that record? And Jay said, "Uh, you know, we're still not sure what to do with it yet. And then one day the phone rang. Almost two years later, the phone rang, and I just knew that's what it... I'm like, oh, my God. This is the... You know, like when you're waiting for a call, and then it actually comes. And he said, hey, man, we're doing Christmas Jam, and uh, you still interested in doing this thing? That's, that's a crazy question. I'm like, yes. So because George didn't want to do that, I ended up touring with Warren in that band for almost almost two years like it it it's kind of like a long year and that's where I met Greg the first gig with Warren uh, was uh, the pre-jam for uh, Christmas Jam and so we had this little all-star thing going on so the first gig with Warren was uh, Terrence and I supporting uh, Greg keys uh, Steve Miller on guitar Warren and somebody else because I remember Warren in the hallway he goes he goes so you guys you're gonna be playing for Steve Miller and Greg and is that you guys cool with that (laughs) yeah and I just you know it's like just no matter how you feeling nerves and all that stuff just you just gotta power through it because if you're not gonna do it somebody else is. so why not be you you know Again, Trial so, By Fire. Trial By Fire. So yeah, I met Greg, and then people would tell me, he's like, man, Greg, Greg really liked how you played, and uh, you know, Farmer, Warren's a guitar tech, rest in peace, Farmer, yeah. He he's like, man, Greg said, he's gonna get you, he's gonna get you. And We ended up doing another gig during the Warren Haynes Band time uh, benefit, and it was, uh, Peter Frampton was on that gig. So uh, we are playing, and Greg was on the gig, so Greg and Peter Frampton were on that gig, and i walked past greg and he kind of pinched me in the arm and he kind of mouthed the words like i want to get you i'm going to get you and i'm like oh, he's just he's just being whatever being nice and sure enough the phone rang a few months later and it, and, it, and this is a trip and most of my gigs have happened this way uh, at the time this uh, great uh, keyboard player in new york ben stivers was on the was on the greg gig and the night before i was at new blue you know new blue Sure. So I was at New Blue was hanging out And Stivers was there And uh, we were I think it was Aaron Johnston Maybe Jesse Murphy I don't know But we were We were hanging out in front Of course you know Three o'clock in the morning You know talking And um, I was living in Brooklyn And it was late And Stivers said He'd give me a ride So he gives me A ride out to my crib And we talked And it was a good hang And the next day They had a, a meeting I guess The Greg Allman band Stivers was there And they were talking about getting a new bass player because i met him the night before i was on his mind when he said oh what about this guy ron johnson and so they went down a youtube rabbit hole they actually saw me playing with greg and they showed greg and said uh they said you know how about this guy and he's like oh man
2: he goes yeah I mean, give him the gig
1: so i i i got that gig because ben stivers happened to be thinking about me during that meeting
0: because you had that hang.
1: Because I, in all my gigs, have come from hangs. As a matter of fact, if I, if you know, I don't want to like I feel like I'm taking up all the conversation here, but you no,
0: know, no, it's your, it's your talk. Okay, I'm
1: let me th- let me say my first uh, uh, lesson, not my first, but my first real bass teacher is this guy who lives in the South Bay. His name is Myron Dove. He played with Santana, Rob Ford, 1990s. He's great. He's great, great uh, bass player. And so, uh, for 20 bucks, I'd go to his house, have to work in going to his little studio before we get started he'd play some blazing return to forever stanley clark you know, silly putty and all this stuff and i would always feel dejected like hey man i can't play you know but i, I just kept showing up you know and he, he showed me whatever he could you know and after about the fourth lesson i'm walking up there at 3 30 in the afternoon you know and i'm with 20 dollars in my hand and he's coming out of the house and i'm walking into the house and i'm like hey man he looks at his watch and i said hey man i thought there was a lesson and he said he goes, oh man, he goes, oh, that's right. He goes, okay, put your bass in the house. We're gonna go to the movies. I'm like, the movies? He goes, he goes, yeah, Batman, the new Batman. So whenever the new Batman was out, that's when I started playing bass.
0: The Prince Batman?
1: No, the, uh, the Batman with Michael Kiki. The, <laughs> first, the first Batman. Okay. And so uh, he goes, put the, the bass in the house. And we're going to the movies. And I'm like, going to the movies, man. I thought we had a lesson. He goes, this is the lesson, man. It's called The Hang. And I thought, okay, so I, I go to the movies and I fall asleep, you know, in the movie. But I never forgot that because almost all of the gigs, the Carl Denson gig came from a hang down at the bar I was bartending at in San Jose. The Greg gig came from that, you know, the Warren Haynes gig, the Samantha gig, you know, like I was with Terrence the night before, you know, phone call came, he was, you know, he says he would have said me anyway, but I'm just like, well, oh. it's, it's good to hang. Yeah. You know, but the older you get, I'm I'm not hanging out in front of New Blue at three o'clock in the morning anymore. I don't want to do that. Right. You know, in and and in New Orleans, you know, th- you know, I do that, but I don't do it as often, maybe as I should. But uh, but yeah, there's th- everything comes from the hang.
0: I agree. Same thing in my situation, relationships and stuff. Yeah, being able to hang. Being able to hang. And, yeah. and being that, a good hang. That. I was gonna say yeah that's yeah. a crucial part of it and so you and Greg in the end oh yeah hung out
1: you man guys had a thing right well see all the guys most of the guys were you know married or coupled up or something like that you know and so uh, uh, I think it was just you know fresh it was you know he had been with Jerry Jermont for quite a while and then he got this guy who man I went deep 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 into learning learning his songs. You know, I, I learned them fast, I learned them slow, I learned them high, I learned them sober, I learned them like every which way you could. so My neighbor was pounding on the floor like, you know, stop it with the music. <laughs> and so when I went into that rehearsal, and I still think that might have been the best performance, you know, the ent- entire time, you know, it's like I still, I have a recording of that that rehearsal someplace. But it, everyone was just delighted, you know, it was, it was just it was just like a beautiful afternoon you know rehearsal so uh i think he was and he just got uh his liver and it's and uh it was taking i guess you know so he was he was i was like man your hair looks like you're blind i'm like man you look great look good what are you doing you know as he walks into the rehearsal and he goes he goes oh man he goes i got a new liver (laughs) he goes he goes uh he goes i got a 28 year old female he goes oh no wait she's 29 now but I got a, I got a twin. So I guess he had it for a year or so, and uh, he, it was like the best three and a half of, uh, you know, it's like a spark. He was like a new man. He was juicing. He was just lucid and and sober, and it was it was wonderful. But all the guys in the band, uh, you know, they're like coupley and stuff like that, and and we would hang and just talk all kinds of smack, and <laughs> and he would tell me stories that I thought, oh man, some of the guys in the band, they were like. They're like, hey, man, you should ask him these questions when you go back there and you're hanging with him. And uh, I thought, I'll read his book. I'll read his book one day or something like that. And he said, uh, and uh, how did this work out? Oh, and so uh, I read his book and I realized that the majority of the stories he we told were not in the book. You know, So I was like, oh, wow, this guy's just a wealth a wealth you know a raconteur just a wealth <laughs> of stories a wealth of stories so we would we would smoke weed and that's uh the other guys they weren't smoking you know until until we got a new keyboard player i'll keep i won't put his stuff on blast we got a new keyboard player and then that changed but uh yeah i was like a it was just myself and chank his like old time lifelong uh friend and uh at that point of the night, Chank was wiped out, so Chenk was like he was crashing out or hanging out in the front of the bus, and so I would go back and smoke and listen to him tell stories, and and that uh, was great. It evolved into uh, once we got to hotels, you know, he called me, he's like, "Hey, man, you want to come pick a little?" <laughs> and I'd go up to his room, and he would call it riding, but basically I would just be like, just trying to hold, just give him a little bass line or something like that, and he would play through stuff, and uh, it was it was great it was great he let me you know I mean I recorded a lot of that stuff too which was cool
0: wow that's amazing like privileged
1: thing. and trust yeah that's why I feel like I could never show their yeah. videos or or share the recordings because uh, you know he, he was he was the one encouraging me he's like man you got your camera you got to just like go get your recorder or we play something he's like did you get that you know, yeah. If I didn't, he'd go, oh, man, you got to always check it out. I'm like, wait, do you want me to do this? Or do, you know, I was, It was just strange. It was like he was giving all this, like documenting this stuff, like, I don't know, for himself or...
0: You think there was like a, a sort of sense of mortality after the liver experience where he was like, I got, I'm on borrowed time, let's uh, capture stuff or maybe... At maybe. that point,
1: he thought, it seemed like he thought that he was going to live forever. You know, he yeah. was... Man, he had a spark. He wanted to uh, uh, make a new album, uh, all compositions by Greg Lemoire Allman. That's what he wanted to call that that record. He wanted to write all the songs. So uh, I feel like I'm giving away a secret that I tell myself one day I'm going to do this, but I probably won't. But uh, so I read his book and inside his book, most of those stories are songs, you know. So I highlighted, I would be reading a story, and I'm like, oh my God, this thing even, it even lays like the lyrics of the song. And one of the last conversations that I had with him was, you know, I said, man, I figured out how you can do your record. And he's like, what What do you mean? You know, we had just finished recording Southern Blood, and that, and that thing was in the can, or whatever. So I'm like, you know, even though like a lot of songs on their covers, I said, I figured out a way you can do this, and you wrote all the songs. He's like, what? I said, your book. And I showed him, because I, I read his book when I was in, on a vacation in Vietnam. So it's on my iPad. So I highlighted all this stuff. And uh, I said, that story about that, 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 that's a song. And he just starts stroking his beard. <laughs> and I said, that story about the forty-five gun, you know, the gun, and the story about the you and your brother at the military school. And I was like, these are all, he was like, oh, my God. I never thought about it that way. So... But it never came to fruition. But it still could. Yeah. It still could. And and we would call it All Compositions by Greg Lemoire Allman.
0: That's a beautiful idea. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gregory.
1: Sorry. Gregory. <laughs> right.
0: Full name. Right. Government name. Yeah. Like his mom named him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, just the fact that this, like... I mean, this... Treasure. This, like... He, he's really... Among the, the songbook and the influence of the almonds and like what Greg represents to this sort of jam diaspora uh-huh. like, <laughs> you know that comes out of the dead and the almonds and yeah. and then filters down to fish and panic and stuff but like that's how I ended up at jazz fest and yeah. then now set me in another way. I feel like you had this this very rare and unique privilege to get Greg in this very intimate space where he yeah. share like this vulnerable side of himself with. Writing yeah. music and stuff and like, that is that blows me away and also kind of illuminates what you wrote about him. The yeah, depth of the relationship where like he allowed you to record him in his hotel room, like yeah, fingering his way through would be long black
1: the uh, veil. I get a video of that. That it's like I'm like
0: oh god, so good. And he so sounded, uh, he felt like like his Great. performances were robust in those days. Yeah,
1: I mean, man, three weeks trail
0: and like the you know yeah and then no he would I mean, always like glowing, warm right
1: he would always warm up but I think one of the best vocal performances of his is uh, back to Making. the album the live album that we did I was only in the band like three weeks
3: really?
2: you are like
1: we're gonna make a live record I'm like what so a lot of nerves but it carried me through it you know it's a great record, I'm yeah. super proud of that thing <laughs>
3: Some old bed I'll soon be sharing. I dropped one
2: more.
1: and also southern blood even though they doubled his vocals because he wasn't able to go back in and they they used somebody i'm sorry i can't remember his name to kind of shore up the vocals and that record came out great but as far as strong vocal performances so um, back to making he's crushing it and it's all it's so many songs man just incredibly long yeah
0: yeah my friend my one of my best buddies talks about a performance of that band At Swanee at one like the last Swanee festivals.
3: Oh yeah, Jack Pearson sitting in.
0: Yeah, he spoke glowingly about how profound that because he was like a lifelong Almonds fan and Uh that was his last time seeing Greg perform and it was apparently incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah. I had to I had been there. It was like the, you know, when we went out there. He, I think he also liked me too because I was not afraid to admit if I had nerves. And he was always really nervous, so he wasn't alone. Even if I wasn't nervous, I'm like, man, I'm nervous too, you know. But, man, before, before midway through, before the bridge of the first song, the nerves we're gone you know and it was just always like that like he would always be nervous which means he cared which is great all the way up to the end and uh, man once we, we kicked in to the first tune you know he uh, you know once he heard himself and acclimated to, you know man just a few bars and then he was he was in it he was and then no frailty or nothing I, I mean I really like I said I had him at a really good period Yeah. You know. Yeah. The liver was working really well during the time that I was <laughs> I was what, with it.
0: What a legend, and yeah, like I said, what a privilege and honor to have yeah. like that
1: experience and
0: space and contribute I'm to those super like, swan songs, and it was like his final sort of, you know, songs before yeah. on his way out, yeah. and performances, and yeah, I know that a lot of people treasure that, and it sounds like you had a role in bringing that out of him, beyond the just being like a high Yeah, we club, hung. It's,
1: you hung. Yeah, and he felt, I felt, you know... He, he seemed so young to me I'm like man you're like a 17 year old kid you know the things we talk about and he was just so you know playful and youthful and all that stuff but also wise like a man of you know a thousand year old man so uh, that's a lot of lives yeah a lot, a lot of lives you know but he uh yeah that just that those last few years of his life he was just very happy to be alive you know and grateful and just you'd say he'd be home and he'd He'd want to be home, and then he'd get home, and after two weeks, he's like, I want to be on, you know, I want to be on the road. He'd, he'd miss it, you know? We'd go out just long enough for him to want to go home, and then that was the cycle during the course of my time with him. Yeah. So I feel I understand the privilege. I am super, super grateful for that experience.
2: Always been a gambler Checking chances all of my life Busting up love affairs
3: Just like shooting dice Game, girl. That's what keeps me satisfied. And I can leave here in the nick of time, just before those bullets fly. Woo! Thank you, George. You can Yeah.
1: Trace it all back
2: to George. I love that. I love
0: that. And when I think about, like, different artists I collaborated with, contributed to, I come back to this one show I saw where you were doing, like, a version of an early Nigel Hall band.
1: With, okay. Uh,
0: with Nikki and with uh, uh, Schmeens. Schmeens, yeah. The North Star Bar in Philly. Oh, yeah. And you were there? It, oh, yeah. That's when I was back living in Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might have even written it up, but I can't recall. But I definitely was there.
2: Oh, that's um, cool.
0: But I was going to say so the the connection with Nigel because we've had Nigel on the pod obviously we're big lettuce fans so alive and of course Nigel's records, mm-hmm. um, but you've been with him in a variety of incarnations. So with regard to the Warren Haynes like Man in Motion band, yeah, not the the record but that band with yes, Alicia live, and, yeah, and Terrence, Man, I saw some great ones. I m- remember you guys did like Pretzel Logic by yeah. Steely and uh, yeah. Sam Cooke, uh, Change are going to come. Stirring versions with the vocal harmonies. recollections of like your time with that project with that band um, in general like uh, I feel like it slots in it's post Denson yeah. and Brett Denon but pre Greg
1: yeah. Okay. yeah yeah
0: yeah so like a blur or was out like a long period when you, when you were no we it? did
1: a lot of <clears throat> we did a lot of traveling during that time <laughs> and uh, and it felt like every gig was a big gig you know every gig was just felt like every gig was a, a Big gig so uh so it's not a blur you know it was uh it was great it was one of the best i think it's the best gig it was the because warren is, is such a wonderful human being and uh his tour manager <coughs> at the time peter banta another one we lost way too soon it's just it was just a, a Delight, light man it was just such a joy you know and it was it, it, it was great in the band we really cared man we'd go head head to head over things you know because we wanted it to be right so there's a lot of there was a lot of uh fighting for the cause yeah a lot of passion <coughs> in that band it was great it was great
0: yeah i love that band i love that era i brought a different side out of you know i've been seeing nigel a lot but
1: mm-hmm.
0: he was doing something different He's yeah. responsible for something different, contributing something different in that Yeah, in that scenario. And, and Alicia, too. I mean, she's amazing. And I really just loved, loved seeing that. I maybe only saw three or four gigs. But, yeah, that uh,
1: turned into like a little family really quick. And there's always rumor of, you know, oh, we'll do it again one day. But we'll yeah, I see. wondered,
0: uh, you know, Warren did another record, but it was like some Railroad Earth thing. Yeah. That, you know, he hasn't uh, put the Warren Haynes band <coughs> back together in a minute.
3: Well, I
1: mean, it's that. I mean, that was a that was a big ship to get off and into the water. You know, that was like there's a lot of moving parts right. in that thing. So I, th- I think it would take a year. It would have to be a, like a year's worth. It could, you know. I mean, I, I'll do a one-off. Right. You know. You know, if you want to do a one-off one, off Warren, i am down. Yeah. But it, I, I felt like they were reluctant to fire that back up because of the amount of. Uh, effort it would take and, then, and therefore then you want to get the most out of that so let's keep this thing going I don't think government mule wants to take that right. much time off again ever a year a year and a few months you know those guys are like hey man it's time to get back to work
0: and in later years the lines blurred a bit more with the mule getting you know with more organs and a little bit of a different sound from like the early mule was really heavy, oh yeah. really heavy so Warren yeah. Haynes band, juxtaposed to the mule back then it was like night and day <coughs> yeah and it's a little bit different now Maybe. yeah there's rock it. yeah they're yeah.
1: they're more of like rock just rock and terrence yeah. and i were always like let's play the rock tunes let's cover this song let's cover that because we grew up we grew up rockers too what were you so. listening
0: to as a kid like when you were just even before playing bass like living out here as a kid what what was the first kind of stuff well, that my childhood
1: were? was in southern california i grew up in, up in the desert uh just outside of a little town called Victorville uh between like a Vegas between Barstow and San Bernardino like up in the high desert and so we just listened to whatever was on the AM radio <laughs> you know what I mean I was I grew up in the 70s and so it was like what my brothers were listening to I had a brother that was in the funk and jazz and I had a brother that was in the rock and so and I had an uncle that was in all all that stuff and so between them it was a pretty uh it was a pretty full diet of all these different sounds of music at the same time <clears throat> just the school bus the radio you'd hear uh Leo Sayer and then you'd hear uh Parliament uh Funkadelic or just Parliament at the time and then you'd hear you know Elton John then you'd hear Ted Nugent or Van Halen and it's even pre Van Halen you know but, uh, T-Rex or something like you know, or just, that. Just that was exactly
0: what I was going to
1: say next. Just T-Rex. broad, just like this broad yeah. spectrum of Aerosmith. music. And everybody, yeah, yeah, definitely Aerosmith. Yeah. And everybody listen to it. I'm well, on a
3: train, I'm at a dame. She's handsome, I kind of love the same. She was pretty from New York City. I'm walking down a mountain. Eat and who am I to just gonna tell her so? I saw the train car rolling all night long. Train car rolling all night long. Train car rolling all night long.
1: Hope this isn't diversion but you know i see these people's like you know oh, we have a funk band we have a funk band and i'm like yeah it's cool you know it's like you play you play funk music but are you funky you know like back then everybody was funky it was like the, the culture the cartoons on saturday morning were funky you know the, the, all the everything was just for the way people dressed was funky and the, you know you go to the store and a guy behind the counter was like the funkiest guy in town you know just so so cool so to me it's like when I see these bands playing funk music I'm like well the music is funk but the the vibe is not you know it's just not it's just not funky it's not funk you know and all you need to do is have the understanding of what funk as a culture and not so much of you know hey I play funk so I'm funky it's like no no funk is a culture yeah and um, I'm so grateful that I grew up in that cold and I got the experience. Like think about it man, every car was a muscle car. <laughs> you know, I mean in seventy, you know, from from seventy to seventy nine, you know, it's like Man oh man, what a great time to grow up. Television, only three channels, so you're not scattered all across the board. You know, what did you watch last night? Oh I watched something on channel one thousand and three and it's like we all watched all in the family. We all watched the Jeffersons. We all watched the Waltons for people. You know I mean every we were all in it together as long as we only had three channels. That went off the air at three o'clock. It's like t- take your ass to sleep right. out to the late late movie. So it was cool, but now we're just nonstop, twenty four seven. Oh
0: yeah, there's way too many options. Yeah. Slightly behind you. Uh, I'm born in '78, so I came of age in. Slightly. The 80s. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm born in '78. Uh huh. For me, my first like music stuff was the hair bands. Oh yeah. The Motley. Rat,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: Skid Row, Bon Jovi, Cinderella was from my town in yeah. Jersey, so uh-huh. like, I didn't find, and then it was the Dead and the, uh-huh. the hippie stuff, and it wasn't until like you know I went to Jazz Fest, I saw D'Angelo in concert oh, in two thousand with the Voodoo Band, yeah, and on the heels of that is kind of when I found KDTU, yeah, seeking that black thing that is yeah. not really you know we're talking about funk bands like a lot of. F- funk in the jam world, but are you really funky, right? And yeah. I don't even think all of it comes down to whether it's black or not. It's just like a mindset an lifestyle. Yeah. And that's what I found when I went and saw The Tiny Universe. Like, when I when I met you, yeah. I was seeing a ton of Fish and A Bit of the Dead, Garcia's Waning Years and yeah. lots of hip-hop. And then I wanted, I, I honestly, was just seeking that sort of like what D'Angelo was doing with the voodoo yeah. Live, Not necessarily even the album, but the yeah. live shit. Yeah. You know, they were playing Cat Band and Ohio Players and, like, yeah. all these Easter eggs buried. Can't in hide song. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I found the Tiny Universe back then, which is no slight. I mean, I talked to Carl about it on the pod. Like, I love what he's always done, all the different incarnations. Mm-hmm. But the band that you were in? Yeah. With Brian, you know? Yeah. And even Zach or Staten. Like, yeah that 2000 to 2004 yeah. window, yeah, that was like, I don't need to tell you, you saw me out there so much, I mean it was like, oh, like yeah. everywhere I could, I mean I'm talking about Chicago, New Orleans, yeah. New York City Boston, DC, yeah. I've been all over the place, yeah. that was one of my favorite bands of all time, and that crystallized few years, and that was like your first real gig right?
1: Yeah, I started out in here in the Bay Area with this blues band Chris Kane, blues band, and I it was with Anjo Lewis Walker and Maria Moldauer. I played with them in the 90s, and then and Carl called me and asked me to join his first side project of Tiny, and I couldn't do it. And uh, he called me a year later because I thought I, I can't do it because I'm going to go off and play with this other blues guy. And then a year into playing with this other blues guy, and I was like, man, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. So when he called again, I'm like, yeah, I can do it. So I was, I had no idea what. When he called me the second time he's like he goes, "Hey man, that chair's still open. You want to you want to do this?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. I'll do it." And I go, "So what, what what is it? What do you play? What's I never <laughs> see you playing around here. What are you doing?" And he goes, "Oh, you know, it's it's a jam band thing, you know, like string cheese. And he named a couple bands. I'm like, "I never heard of any of these bands." And I flew to Bo- uh, Denver, went to Boulder, the Fox Theater, and it was like January 2nd or something 2000. And it, man, all of my life Changed, you know. It's just a sea of people at the foxes packed. All these young hippie kids and college students, and completely different than playing at JJ's blues. And no disrespect, <laughs> you know. But yeah, Eli McFlys and these all these little blues uh, joints around the Bay Area, loose and San Francisco. It was great. I'm I'm grateful for that experience too. Without Chris Kane, you know, I wouldn't be here today. But it was uh, like a rocket ship.
2: So tell me this ladies, would it bother you, if he invited you to a barbecue, cause he was digging you, would it bother you, if he invited you to a barbecue, cause he was digging you. It's a small planet in the tiny universe. Shooting for the stars in a whole lot of space. It's a small planet in the tiny universe. Shooting for the stars in a whole lot of space. It's a small planet, it planet in the tiny universe. Shooting for the stars in a whole lot of space. It's a small planet in the tiny universe. Shooting for the stars.
1: gig gig it was it was like you said that golden age of you know, yeah. not just carl's band but a lot of bands that all period games, up yeah. until like 2005 i think 2009 really like all the jam cruises
3: right
1: all the festivals like uh bonnaroo the original Bonnarod, or... or whatever you know like yeah. all the original things voodoo fest you know the lineup for the original voodoo yeah. fest is light years different than what it is now yeah. so that too had been a part of it like i'm gushing about how great it was to grow up in the 70s it was kind of cool to grow up and jam during that period yeah. as well
0: it so. was like this <coughs> coalescing of worlds so i'm a lot of us you know like you look out you see hippie kids whatever we came from whatever the dead or fish mm-hmm. um but there was there was like references i guess in the music that made us seek out other stuff so like yeah. the gray boys were like a yeah. landmark right yeah and and you know soul live was another band yeah. that was kind of like opening a portal to yeah. yesteryear but doing it in the now yeah and then there was a there was a thing with the tiny universe there was like mm-hmm. a really soulful like sexy thing uh-huh. that i didn't find anywhere else <laughs> Brandy and Nina and all yeah. these girls that I met, Weezy. Yeah. We just it was no weird shit. We mm-hmm. came to Carl and we danced. Yeah. And and like I said, that was around the time I was starting to write about music. Mm-hmm. Jam had just started. They're like, whatever you wanna do, wherever you wanna go, you know, we got you, we'll put it up. And you open the door. The rest is history. But I, I And like lifelong
1: that. friends yeah. made during that time. Like I said, Brandy two weeks ago.
0: How's she doing? She's doing great. Uh, if you're listening, Brandy, love you. <laughs> miss doing, you.
1: She's doing great. And we
0: bump into each other like once every three jazz fest or New York City something or other. Yeah. Just like a quick hug. What's up? Keep it moving. But she was amazing. Like those girls, I had no crew. Like I would get on the train in Philly, come mm-hmm. up. Go to the show, meet up yeah. with them, yeah, dance, yeah, yeah. hang. Yeah, Irving Go, Plaza and Irving Bowery Plaza. Ballroom. <laughs> yeah, and, Kings and all that stuff. And when you talk about the <coughs> first Bonnaroo, you all sit there. It was like one of my favorites ever. The the Bowery uh, number one. Yeah, the
1: name video? There's a video yeah, there's of There's a that... video
0: on the DVD. There's the video of can, uh, Check Out Your Mind. Check Out Your Mind. But, yeah. uh,
2: they never found the missing link. Forgot they had a mind to think. So why don't you check out your mind? It's been with you all the time. Why don't you check out your mind? It's been with you all the time. Check out your mind. Check out your mind. Check out your mind.
0: The whole show is available on the archive, and it's like... Our show? Yeah, you oh, can man. listen to the old, I mean, I could go all the way down the rabbit hole <laughs> with that, but you guys played this one song that night, it was just called like New Tune, you played it five times and then kind of discarded it, they brought yeah. it back years later, but uh-huh. it's this big, epic, long song, the, the debut of it was at Bonnaroo, oh, like, I think
1: that's a, it's on the set list, it's Orpheus- called New Afro. Orpheus- now yeah, it's called Odysseus, right? Odysseus is right. Metamorphosis uh-huh. or something like that, yeah, but, everybody that, that contributed a part. To
0: it's so great at the Bonnaroo show specifically Uh yeah I mean I still go back if I'm putting on the Tiny Universe I'm usually listening to the old stuff
1: sometimes I listen to some of those old shows you would never know you were like seat
0: of your pants in it like yeah
1: I was but you don't we
0: didn't know it
1: no and that's a good thing yeah and I I think that's like uh, saying um, like me moving to New Orleans the people that I met during that period because we used to play Jazz Fest you know, we'd have the, the late, late, late oh, yeah. show at Tipitina's and all that stuff. Lenny,
0: Melvin Sparks. I made
1: friends yeah. then that when I did decide to move there, they still think about it or talk about it. Like it was, like it was yesterday. So I was, I was welcomed and I'm grateful that I wasn't an asshole. And I still have good You know, I still have good friends. That, a community in New Orleans that traced me back 20 years. It's not like I just moved there seven years ago. It's like I moved there 22 years ago. Yeah. You know. So yeah.
0: I remember when the first time or as far as I know, the first time that Ivan sat in with the Tiny Universe was at Irving Plaza and he called him I- by the I- wrong Igor. name.
1: Yeah. You got you were there, dude. Yeah. I can't oh. believe that I'll never forget it. I, I can't believe that wrong name. I thought I was the only person that remembered that. <laughs> He's like Igor
2: <laughs> Please welcome Orin Neville on the organ, y'all. Orin Neville. I-
1: Oh, Ivan! Yeah, because Ivan. I uh, th- it. Was weird, you know. It's like weird. that was like the uh, a period of time where Ivan wasn't as well known in the jam world. Right. You know, he was living in New York, and uh, he would. I was such a huge fan of the expensive winos. As a matter of yeah. fact, I I have a ticket stub from uh, the Kaiser. Auditorium. My brother and in I. The corner. Yeah, my brother and I. We don't. We always. We we were we were on tour with the, the expensive winos, you know. And so uh, I was such a huge fan of Ivan for so long that when he did pop up, one day I was like, "You're Ivan Neville." <laughs> and we just kind of kind of just became, you know, friends or buddy, you know. And he started sitting in, or I'd have to go to Carl and say, "Hey, man, can can Ivan sit in?" You know, he's so like, what, what, who, who? And I'm like, Ivan. And do a quick rundown, and so that was the—that was probably the first time Ivan sat in, and Carl called to Igor.
0: Yeah, it's so on the archive too. You can actually hear. <laughs> really, it. at the end, he corrected. Yeah, that was it right. me whispering in his ear. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's
1: Ivan, oh, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, Ivan is—they're uh, crushing it.
0: Yeah, you have a interesting and long musical relationship with him. I mean. The expensive winos is like a whole nother lifetime for him. I mean yeah. you know, he's gotten sober, he's gotten married, had a kid, and now he's got the dumpster funk thing which has been going on for years. But you work with him in different contexts, right? Like in an <laughs> Anders thing or a
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously the connection goes way back to the yeah er-
0: was that the night you met him, the Urban Plaza thing
1: with the ten acres? Even there, or some some place in some place in New York. I mean, every time we were there, and we were there often. You know, Ivan Ivan would be there at that time, and he, and, and he would sit in, or we'd talk, or hang, or something. You know, it was just just smell And I had lived in L.A. in the '80s, and so we had things in common. It was this little mm-hmm. hangout spot called Cat and the Fiddle, Sunset, I think it is. And uh, so we had things in common. So uh, yeah, it was it was good, but. Um, Ivan also was in um, he's on the Warren Haynes Man in Motion album you know and so when they decided to put the band together uh, without George and they were piecing together this live touring band Ivan was the the keyboard player before Nigel it was it was Ivan did the uh, Christmas jam I think maybe Nigel was hired but couldn't do the gig and um, Warren said hey man can you take a uh, get Ivan the music, you know. I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I'll get into the music. So Ivan just happened to be in New York, and he goes, "Yeah, man, you know, you know bring it over to such and such studio." He gives me an address. You know, go over there with the CD of the songs we were gonna do, and hit the buzzer. And they buzz me, and I walk in, and boom! There's Keith Richards. There's Steve Jordan over there <laughs> sitting there. You know, Steve's like, "Hey, what's going on? You know, like, I see Keith Richards." I was like, whoa, I go, man, I just finished your book. And he's like, oh, brother, he gives me a (laughs) hug. And I'm like, it's crazy. And just, I don't know what was said in the next 10 or 15 minutes. I just know it was like, okay, man, I'll see you later. Dropped off the music. Then boom, I was back out on the sidewalk of New York. And it was like, did that just happen? It was really a trip, you know.
3: Fine looking, man. Yeah, was
1: I was I was substitute teaching at the time in Brooklyn. I remember the next morning I go to school and I tell these seventh graders I'm like, man. I met Keith before the homeroom bell rang early in the morning, I'm like, man, I, I met Keith Richards last night and they're, you know, they look at me like, who? Yeah. I'm like, ah, Mr. Johnson, you're weird or something. You know,
2: I'm like, wow,
1: what?
0: That's amazing you were substitute teaching. What, what, Uh, like, what age?
1: Uh, a middle school, six to eight. Okay. Six to eight. Yeah, it was great. Is
0: that something you did in, when you were off the road? Did I did it here then? for a minute. Oh, here too.
1: Yeah, in the '90s, I did it here for for a minute, which was a lot tougher than the one school that I taught at in Brooklyn, blocks from my house. And when I was not on tour, I made more money sometimes, right? Subbing for the day, you know. And then that also maybe took me out of some hangs too, because one during the week. I'm yes. not hanging out at three o'clock in the morning for the new blue if I have to get up because the kids will eat you alive if you're not rested, right? The next day, Smell it. so I, I it was either you know play a gig in New York at the time for a hundred or less you know or make make a buck fifty, subbing you know and it, and so I, d- I started subbing a lot between gigs which was great because it just supplemented my income, and I always felt like I did a good thing. Sometimes I'm like I'm doing better, like teaching these kids than I am by playing, you know. Fallin' or something. <laughs> you oh, know. I love falling, but
2: anyway. I know, I miss I that
1: too. They're, they're not doing that anymore.
2: You all the time. Like that me wrong.
0: Yeah, the, some of the old super sexy stuff is is not played too often anymore. I have mixed emotions about it. But it,
1: we're yeah. different. We're different yeah, people. We're
0: yeah. older now, right?
1: You know, some of those songs. Yeah. You know, it's twenty yeah. years later.
0: No more barbecue song like Carl's hollering at chicks. And yeah, it you know, yeah. long. I would be like, all right, they started barbecue. I'm gonna run to yeah. the bathroom, get a beer, and, and then he just Carl's talk Story it. would be done, <laughs> and then the song would start. <laughs> yeah, but, the yeah, good old days, Brooklyn. Uh, you were there. It sounds like, if I'm getting my math right, like like 12, 13 years. 13, there. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was it? And you were there in a, a glorious time to be in Brooklyn. Freaks the, ball. Yeah, yeah. All the Brooklyn Bowl stuff coming. Uh, or even wetlands. That, yeah, wetlands. into the wetlands. Into the
1: wetlands. Yeah.
0: Um, and the sort of jam explosion of the you
1: know beginning of New the York Brooklyn City. Bowl.
0: Yeah, and, and everything that's just kind of like blossomed out of that scene at that time, which was, you know, a bit different than what was maybe going on in New Orleans or out here in the Bay. Yeah. How was that different? How was like the Brooklyn scene different than, say, what you experienced out here or, or what you would live in New Orleans?
1: I didn't experience any type of that the jam thing out here. It was all blues. When I left here on a plane, I was a blues bass player
0: so it was no way discon- it was no way connected to like the San Francisco hippie thing at all
1: well you know uh the acid jazz scene like I had I had my own band in uh, San Jose with Eric Boulevard actually and uh and uh, Eric Cotton and uh it was called um, Congo Square and then then later on another band called the uh, Nappy Head Newton <laughs> but uh
0: sorry about that you want me to get some incense
1: no 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 it's good it's good but uh and I put that band together Really to learn the songs that Carl and those Carl was playing. So I did you know, choosing material along with the band. I got an idea. I'm in my mind, oh okay. In my mind to uh to kind Don't of get on board. No, not at all. To get on board with what was happening. And it and you know, I'm glad I did. Show yeah. up at Carl, show up in Boulder playing shuffles. <laughs>
0: That's cool yeah. that you had some crew that you could call and that would shed with you, gigs, whatever, get you prepped for that kind of thing. You know, like Eric. Eric w- at one point was Carl's drummer in the early
1: days. I got early, him the gig.
0: Days. Yeah, I think the first jazz fest I went to, 2000.
1: Yeah, when Lenny was there. Yeah, Lenny was
0: oh one, and I guess oh. Boulevard was still in there.
1: Yeah, Lenny I think did 01
0: was... and 03 because he did it at the Tips and then two years later at Yeah House, House of, Blues. of Blues.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. What was your question about how about did they influenced...
0: No, I was saying about Brooklyn. Like, oh. Uh, well, Brooklyn... We're talking about the Bay and we talked about New Orleans. Were yeah. We didn't really hit on your time. Well, in- the,
1: the, the exposure from the Carl gig was great. And so the, then the explosion of the jam scene in New York, I was like on one of the top jam bands. So it's like I sort of had this little bit of clout. Like people knew mm-hmm. who I was. You know, I had like big jazz guys calling me up like, hey, how do I crack into the... Jam scene. I'm like, wow, really? But, you know, Jam was, Jam was coming up. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so yeah, to move to a place with a gig, just like moving to New Orleans, uh, on the Greg. I was on the Greg gig, and uh, I got Greg to play at a uh, Maple Leaf, and that wow. was pretty much solidified. You know, that's guys You know, just to have a little bit of a name was uh, was great. I don't know how well I would have done in Brooklyn if nobody knew who I was because there's so many amazing musicians right. there, you know. It's cutthroat, for sure. <laughs> it's cutthroat, and uh, yeah, there are some really uh, amazing, uh, people used to say, how come we don't teach? I'm like, nobody's going to, why teach? You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many great teachers and bass players here. It's like,
0: I used to go to the Five Five Bar too back then to see Winn yeah. and then, yeah. uh, man, with, was a Man. Was it cool with play. Tim or Anthony? It was with Tim. It was Tim yeah. and Keith Carlock. Okay. Yeah, the trio. Yeah. I might have seen him with, other cats too but the one we would go all the time was those three and yeah. that was like mind bending stuff in New York at that time I'm not sure if it's still like this I haven't been around in a while but
1: uh-huh.
0: it was a, I would just take the train up and it didn't have to be y'all or galactic or so live I'd just like oh, yeah. go out yeah. and end up at an amazing show getting my wig but like early glasper you know like yeah with, with uh casey benjamin and shit yeah like just yeah. getting i mean walking into those type of experiences green not really yeah you know a hippie kid you know with some joints and like and a good attitude and walking yeah. out like what did i just see yeah yeah and I, and I i don't know maybe you get older you get jaded or you've seen a lot but i, I that's i'm still like We've in seen a search lot. of that like when mm-hmm. i'm out the door to go to a show i'm yeah. in search of you know walking out of the show with that sort of like overwhelmed feeling like i just got blessed yeah you know and i think in my experience i get jaded a little bit for some years because i was going out so much writing so many articles and then it all got taken away yeah for everyone you know yeah. and so since i've been back going to shows again it's a, not jaded i'm grateful for even you now i haven't heard a barbecue song from carl but if he yeah. if you told the story i'd be all right with it because yeah. i'd be grateful to be there you know um, Some bands noticed?
1: still do that, like, uh, uh, for me, you know, uh, the Dumps of Funk is always yeah. like a joy, and, and the power.
0: Me. Oh, the nth is...
1: It's like I watch them, and I'm like, oh my god, as like a kid, it's like their Spiritual experience. You know, like, they're wizards. You know it just doesn't seem you know just grooving so hard i'm like wow man these guys are wizards yeah it's inspiring
0: they're they're a unicorn band like there's this there's, there's no one really that is doing
1: like sort of like gospel soul rock But that sort is funky and, yeah. but with the precision that it's like yeah oh, man. and the vocal harmonies and the and harmonies and, and just and the tightest one of the tightest was. bands out there, when people slag
0: the scene for being just like, ah, oh, it's just a bunch of solos and this and that. Like, you listen to bands like we're talking about, dumpster funk, The power. For me, yeah. I'm a big lettuce fan. Like, yeah, lettuce. I think they disprove that whole like slagging of the scene. But you know, a lot of the bands. That, I'm not going to talk shit. That sell a lot of the tickets. It's a big tent. A lot of people can fit under it. Oh yeah. And then they end up finding whether it's Nth power, or Samantha Fish, or just more what I'm looking for and uh-huh. those are the type of shows that I have the experience walking out with my head in my hands like yeah holy shit yeah you know that's, well, that's the way to lead the show cool. yeah I'm still chasing it I'm still trying to like spread the gospel you know I yeah. think the nth power is an amazing example of a band like that yeah and they've gone through a lot you know a lot of yeah. changes I just had Weedy on you know uh-huh. the band for a while obviously Nigel has had a you know, roller coaster experience yeah. in the band out of the band now they're making music together again yeah. And then as a trio, they've really harnessed this other yeah. thing. It's very powerful like yeah. rock but soulful. Yeah, you would
1: think they can't go continue without a keyboard player, you know. And it's great. It's stronger. still great. I know? love the power trio. Yeah, yeah it's so, great.
0: You know, and, and you're in a power you're not a power trio, you're in a blues I
1: was. Tree. I was in a power trio, but now it's a it's a quartet. Okay. Now that she's she's uh digging into this current catalog, there's, you know, synths and Keys and B3, it's it's more of a.
0: It's a different thing than what you joined in on.
1: Oh, yeah, it was a trio with Terrence at the beginning. But now, you know, she's got this guy, Matt Wade, out of New Jersey, and Sarah Tomac out of Nashville. You mentioned Weedy, like, uh, that's a cool, you know, living in New Orleans, like, Weedy and I, there's so many <laughs> great bands. Like, I used to play at uh, Brooklyn Bowl all the time, you know, it's like, I'd be the bass player on these little super jammy things, but in, uh, in New Orleans, you know, those super jammy things are Nigel and Weedy and, you know, Ivan, and it's, you know, yeah. New Orleans is a great place
2: for that.
0: It sure is, and it's a great place to visit, mm-hmm. I, I, I've i been, obviously, more times than I can count. Usually for Jazz Fest or Carnival, I, I should go more often when there's not a thing happening and yeah. just, like, get the film on the pulse of the city as it normally is.
2: Yeah. I, I deserve <laughs>
0: that. I, I've been a couple times for that, but not enough. But uh, I really love Crowd Control song. on. Oh, really? Yeah, I like, listened to the album enough times. I was like, what are... The two things I came away from was, one, because Fish has a Crowd Control song. I'm like, no way it's official. It's like, uh, of course not. It's uh, a song called Crowd Control. It's great. She probably I, should have done it. I, I love... That song It's probably my favorite song on the record. And then the Tech Nine thing was like, what? Yeah, man?
1: we just played with him. He came and did what's the thing.
0: connection there? That was like, oh, what is happening here? The like,
1: producer uh, yeah. uh, uh, is connected to uh, Tech Nine. I think he produced his record too, or, so, or somehow during the, the the making of Faster, he's like, you know, man, we should put a, a rap, you know put a rap no, on it it's thing.
0: Kansas City it's gotta it's be a, a, the it's a, and they're Kansas both City thing.
1: and they recorded the record there and it's he's like, a Kansas City guy well they recorded it in LA but they wrote the thing there and that was Martin her producer okay uh, his idea to, to put, which sounds ludicrous they, but man he, he crushed it it's great yeah, yeah. he yeah. crushed it
2: keep it inside when I feel some way yo, I gotta release and I say a whole lot they be hoping it cease. people nowadays will make your word equivalent to a headshot but when they really know what you say is cool and calm TED talk pride is in the way all the fake and lies will end today you are mistaken why you in the gray I begin to spray live and win the pay cuz I say what I want to say when I want to say it when I come to late
0: those are the two songs that i came away from i like uh
1: i like better be lonely like an anthem kind of yeah she's got songs that we don't even play you know and i know this because of back to the catalog thing (laughs) but uh she's she's got some some of the early stuff that she did too i'm like man i hope i hope we bring that one up too like maybe it didn't get noticed the first time around and we can do it but she's got some she's got some rocking tunes some of it reminds me like early stones you know
3: Binds up like destruction
2: as a dance construction Feels the body's burning And as the machine keeps turning
1: she's and you know she was raised her father you know the house was full of you know early stones and you know blues and rock and she listened to like all the right stuff in my opinion you know so i like i like playing with because i like that stuff right you know so i'm like man this, this sounds like a winos kind of vibe right here you know so i'm it's like fantasy rock and band for some of it yeah i hope
0: i get to see you play with her um I think
1: it'll it'll happen.
0: Yeah, there's a West Coast run. in the. You think they'll probably reschedule the stuff that didn't happen? There's
1: something in the Grass Valley coming up. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
0: I'll go up there. I lived there for five years. I've got a lot of friends up there. Yeah, I'll let you know.
1: I'll let you know. Please do. Something's something's happening.
0: Speaking of, uh, what else, if anything, you got on the pipeline? What, What can we look for from Ron Johnson besides the Samantha Fish Band? You got any other things
1: brewing? I'm trying to figure out how to do a project under my own name in New Orleans. I mean, I could, I could call people and just put it together, but I have all these songs that need to be, I've been working with Terrence Higgins actually on these tunes, Mm -hmm. because I use his drum tracks, I write around his drum tracks, I wrote all these songs. (laughs) It sounds cool when you, you know, you just get this bare drum track and then you start adding guitar and keyboards and bass and all that stuff, and Terrence is like, that's me? I'm like, yeah, man, it's you. So I have to do the work and put that together and believe that people will want to because I'm thinking nobody gives a shit (laughs) you know I just don't want to have my heart broke you know you post something you know and two people like and you're like ah, I knew it you know you just crawl back
0: but I, I think people would be interested to hear what your voice like whether literally you sing or just your voice like the music you'd want to communicate because you've been backing so many beloved artists. Like we've mm-hmm. gone through the past hour just talking about all these icons: mm-hmm. Warren, Carl, Greg, mm-hmm. yeah. and then even like an Anderson, Samantha Fish. These are like celebrated, beloved artists to their communities. Yeah. So there, there was a, there's a network to support. Y- you your hope. Efforts. You hope. I mean, you, I, you're hope. I hope. you looking at one person that <laughs> has got a big megaphone. So in addition yeah. to this pod, you put on a record. Uh, I'm doing a story.
1: Okay. You know, right uh, on. That's just one it's guy. Good to know. I'm just
0: saying, I think that. You know what that means for success, or you know, I'm just talking about. Is there an interest? Would people be interested in hearing Ron Johnson on the bass solo album? Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm and I, and I'm fortunate too. Like the, the the venues, just a couple of venues, you know, renowned venues in, in New Orleans that are like, you know, if you do it, I'll, we'll book it. Okay, I got to do it, and so if the time allows this year because Samantha is very busy. Yeah. Um, this the the this will be the time. Oh yeah nice yeah second weekend perfect you'll be I'll, there i'll be there okay with my mom okay really and my girl yeah we do okay. it as a family i'm yeah. looking forward to seeing erica badu oh obviously but uh, then stevie nicks yeah. is a headliner and i'm yeah, sure i'll be all nostalgic yeah. i'll be nostalgic you know
0: well we love badu she's one of our favorites we yeah. see her all the time and it's never never the same show twice
1: yeah yet. exactly and
0: she's got a great band with that's probably the next opportunity, unless you, you all swing out here before then, that would be my uh, cherry pop for some reason. <laughs> but i got to be honest, people whose opinions I respect,
1: a lot of them really
0: like Man, she works so effortless.
1: hard. And when I'm playing with her, like when I first started playing with her, I was like, I thought, man, I'm playing with a star. It just felt, you know, it's like she puts work into, you know, appearance, uh, the music, uh, t- you know, she, she does, she wears a lot of hats. Yeah. in the van and you see how hard she works it makes you work harder you know i'm like yeah okay i'll step up the fashion game too yeah. to make her look good i'm gonna be back there with you know baseball cap and tennis shoes and i say it's like whatever i can to to help this person that is working towards this goal it's like okay hey i'll, I'll do i'll do what i can you know Crazy i'm in fire
0: under you yeah yeah
1: yeah so i'm i'm it's great to be working with someone that works so hard not that any other people in the past didn't but there's just more to it it's also like a different genre i've never really played in a i mean it it's blues everything she plays is blues based but this album this current album is more of a pop yeah i was gonna say record very pop. yeah so the closest i ever got to that was like the brett Dennen thing but um it's I like playing, you know, crowd control and, you know, forever together. You know, like it's sometimes I'm like, this is different. It's all music. It's What's, all music, you know.
0: What song should I play on the pot? For I'm gonna play. I play a little bit of everything we talked about,
1: but I'll play a song at the end. If you can find something live, play loud. Play the uh, Tech Nine version of a uh, uh, loud. When okay. he came out, there's a video that's a, I think it's like a track thing or something on YouTube. Cool. So, yeah, that, that would be good. Play loud. That's what I'll do.
0: Okay. Right yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to come through. The sun made it down.
1: Yeah. You know, it's great to have you at my house. I'm going to go get some acupuncture, Alma acupuncture. Perfect. Are you hip to that spot? No, but my no. girl is... She's the best, man. Yeah. Sarah's, she's great.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm stoked for you, man. I'm looking forward to Jazz Fest and... Shit. Whenever else I can catch you playing music. You keep us posted on all things
1: Ron Johnson. I will. I will stay safe, man. Yeah. How, how are you? Things are good for you around here? Yeah. I mean,
0: we're lucky we live in this neighborhood and, uh, you know, I give thanks. But, you know, there's been weird stuff everywhere.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. We're, you know, we New are Orleans, lucky. To the New Orleans is on fire and people yeah. are crazy. Yeah. But uh, we are lucky to have uh, music outlets art creativity yeah. it's important
0: it's all we got right now
1: we need to share it with other people so they have an outlet you yeah know. man So well,
0: we're gonna share all the stuff you talked about we'll stitch in a little bit of music cool and put you know how we can thanks guess, for
1: having you know, me man I am a yeah I'm honored
0: yeah well, the feelings are mutual like I said you were the very first and you gave me the handoff and here we are that's so, very
1: cool man thanks right on I appreciate you yeah brother
2: Another skeptic one
0: indeedy I want to say large up and a deep bow of gratitude to my man ron johnson on the bass. ron johnson on the bass. what a joy what a privilege what a f- just heart-filling experience that was to waltz down memory lane with my man ron jay have him come to the crib us chop it up about his whole journey and uh yeah that's why i do this he was the first guy to pull back the curtain and invite me to the hang and i'm eternally grateful so it's only fitting that we had opportunity to do that and in person which is a rarity these days and i used to do the pod almost exclusively in person we'll see try to work that back into the mix but thank you ron you're hearing samantha fish crowd control live this is my jam off her album faster and you heard us talk a little bit about it in the episode. I wanted to play that version of Loud, Samantha Fish with Tech Nine, live version, but uh, the sound quality of the video I did find on YouTube just isn't gonna fly. But I encourage people to check that out uh, Samantha Fish and Tech Nine doing Loud, really cool concept and execution. Kansas City stand up. Uh, we mentioned the nth power in the episode. And I wanted to just backtrack. I meant to say this on the front end. Uh, I have a new partnership with Nugs.net, basically contributing to their blog uh, on their site, pairing it up with artists that you can subscribe and listen to with Nugs. So my first assignment was my faves, the nth power. And uh, you can check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's on Nugs.net's blog. Ten-year look back at the journey of the nth power and it was a thrill and a joy to do that project and there'll be some podcasts coming out of that content those interviews in the very near future i also wanted to uh again remind folks please if you're so inclined and have the time to rate and review the up for life podcast on your podcast platform of choice uh specifically apple podcasts It goes a long way with those algorithms, sending them in this direction, bringing me new listeners, uh, exposure, all that jazz. If you have any feedback or constructive criticism, suggestions, hit me up, b.gets at upfullife.com. Send me an email, love to hear from the listeners. You can also, of course, support what I do by going to upfullife.com and uh, hitting that support button, sending me a few shekels if you are able to and are so inclined I'm so grateful for everybody that supports what I do there is a patreon you can check that out patreon.com backslash upfulllife. and of course I just give thanks for everyone who tunes in and supports what I do and now we're going to get into the vibe junkie jam like we always do about this time now uh, I had to select a few songs we talked about a lot of stuff and the vibe junkie jam usually you know is just something i'm feeling or something related to the artist but ron was so uh, forthcoming and open book that i wanted to play a few of his different contributions over the years and and maybe some more obscure rare stuff so uh, in the background right now i just put on a change is going to come one of my favorite songs of all time ever the sam cook jam that uh you know is bigger than life and timeless but uh this version and the only one I found was was on a actually a release from the Moody Theatre official release so I'm gonna stay away from playing that but I just had to lay it down in the background on general principle but the three songs that I picked out three performances that I picked out for the vibe junkie jam on episode 57 you heard us talk a lot of Carl D for obvious reasons So we specifically mentioned or I brought it up and we talked about the quote new tune from It was only played a handful of times that summer of 2002 maybe three or four and then it was shelved all the way to like 2016 or something when uh, Denson resurrected it with the current iteration of the tiny universe and named it Odysseus. But it'll forever be New Tune or New Afro, which is what it was on the set list back in those days. I might even brought it up with Carl in our pod or Littlefield, somebody. But I love this tune. I've loved it since I took it in live that summer, specifically at that Bonnaroo, which was my favorite Denson show probably of all time, Late Night Bonnaroo 2002, or the High Sierra that I mentioned earlier in the pod, 2003, both Late Night. Then of course, there's New Orleans, Late Nights with Lenny Kravitz. Oh, man. Thank you, Diesel. And thank you, Ron Johnson. So we're going to play that, quote, new tune or new afro or Odysseus from Bonnaroo first. It's a lengthy jam with a lot of parts. It's a great upgraded tape on the archive. Um, I think from Lazy Lightning, if I'm not mistaken. And then we're going to go with that um, Greg Allman greg allman band from wani 2016 shout out scott t my brother from another uh it's his version of whipping post uh which i found on youtube and i'm gonna play it it's funky and groovy and soulful man it's got a vibe so we're gonna play greg allman with ron johnson and of course peter levin the awesome band they had at that time uh wani 2016 whipping post and we're going to finish with uh, nigel hall band sullivan hall january 27th 2013 god bless the absentee it's a paul simon song thanks to my man mark millman for the footage and the audio Uh, this is nigel with ron johnson and with adam shmeans smirnoff and adam deitch from lettuce and also from lettuce at the time uh alicia shakur who's now with tedeschi trucks band and also has an amazing solo project release shakora so we're gonna finish with nigel god bless the absentee from 2013 Course, Nigel's been on the Up for Life podcast. Check it out, it's a great episode. They're all great episodes, they're all dear to my heart, just like all these artists and all this music, and all of you listening. And of course, this fucking song, a change is gonna come. I encourage you all to check out Warren Haynes Band's version, Ron Johnson, live at the Moody Theater, number 16 on the compact disc. Uh, and with that. I think we'll say goodbye and job bless and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, indeedy.
2: Simon.
3: from pain all over me I say God bless you